Happy Military Monday out there. It's EP Podcast Time. I'm Austin Horton. Thanks for joining me. June 15th, 2020 is our year and date today. That's a weird way of saying that. But another week ahead of us. I'm very excited to talk to you today about uh, this documentary I saw over the weekend uh, that involved uh, the home run chase of 1998. Got to talk to you about the goings-on in the NBA and what I what I'm bothered about uh, regarding that today, and then also, of course, it's a military Monday, and one of the arms of our military celebrated a big time anniversary and birthday over the weekend. So we'll talk about that and much more. But before we get going, we start each and every day out the very same way. We go over today in sports history, June fifteenth, nineteen seventy seven. The New York Mets traded pitcher Tom Seaver to the Reds for Pat Zachary and minor leaguers Steve Henderson, Doug Flynn, and Dan Norman. The trade was one of three made by the Mets, who also dealt away Steve Kingman and Mike Phillips in a move New York media dubbed the Midnight Massacre. The Mets, of course, other than 1986, really, uh, and the Subway World Series uh, that they played against the Yankees, they've not really done much of anything since then. June 15, 1985, Doug Williams and the Arizona Outlaws beat Steve Young and the LA Express 21-10. It was uh, an abysmal attendance prompted the Express to move from Memorial Coliseum to the 16,000-seat Los Angeles Pierce College Stadium, the smallest to ever host a USFL game. 1988, Bull Durham was released in theaters, uh, one of people's favorite baseball movies. And June 15th, 1967, The Dirty Dozen was released in theaters, the film about a group of convicts attacking a French chateau filled with Nazi officers before D-Day grossed $45.3 million and prompted Jim Brown into early retirement. When production ran long and Brown's owner, Art Modell, threatened to fine Brown for missing training camp, he simply chose to retire. There you go. This day in sports history for the 15th of June. All right, like I said uh, in the opening, I've got some NBA thoughts we'll get to here in a moment. But first, I want to talk about Long Gone Summer, the ESPN 30 for 30 documentary, if we want to call it that, about the home run chase of 1998, which everyone remembers was, they remember it as being between Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. Uh, It was the best summer of baseball. It was the best year of sports, by the way, in our state's history. Uh, You had the Jazz in the finals. You had the Utes in in the championship game. You had BYU football doing some dominant things. You had... Uh, and then else outside the state, you got this home run chase with baseball. You had Michael Jordan's situation, the Women's World Cup champions. 1998 was a strong sports year, and one of the reasons it was so strong was this home run chase. Now, I'm going to tell you a few things that this documentary did really well, and I'm going to tell you a few things this documentary was abysmal uh, at doing. The things they did really well, they very well encapsulated and captured, I should say, the emotions of uh, 13-year-old Austin Horton watching these bigger-than-mountain men's uh, men, mountains men, hitting these moonshots uh, every other at-bat, it seemed, all season long. Uh, and the, the back and forth of, okay, Mark McGuire hit a home run. Quick, switch the game uh, switch the channel back to the other game and see if Sosa can match him. And all we did is go back and see what McGuire is doing. Every single day was must-watch television to see if Mark McGuire or Sammy Sosa was going to hit another home run. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
And that that proved to be the case as 1998 was the Major League Baseball's highest TV ratings in its history to that point. No, no season had ever had the TV ratings that Major League Baseball had in 1998. And of course, this was four short years, three and a half really technically, after the baseball strike where they canceled the World Series and a lot of people swore off baseball for the rest of their lives. Well, a lot of those people came back during the summer of 1998 to chase the, the, to watch the home run chase between McGuire and Sosa. Another thing this uh, uh, documentary did really well was remind us that it wasn't just Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. The kid, Ken Griffey Jr., was right there with them pretty much the whole season until he had some injuries. And then he, he fell down, and or not didn't fall down, but fell back in the chase. It ends The season ends with McGuire on top at 70 home runs, Sammy Sosa behind him with 66, and in third place, Ken Griffey Jr. with 56. There were 13 players that year that hit 40 or more home runs. Uh, and there were four players that hit 50 or more, including McGuire, Sosa, King Griffey Jr., and here's a name you've probably forgotten about, Greg Vaughn. Uh, they, they all hit more than 50. And then, uh, the, including them, there were eight others that hit at least 40 that season. Of those 13 players in 1998 that hit home run or hit 40 home runs eight of them have been named in reports or have admitted to using steroids during their career uh performance enhancing drugs whatever you want to call it eight of those 13 are known uh users of uh, performance enhancing drugs the other five i don't know uh, and by the way, King Griffey Jr. is one of those eight. He admitted four years ago, five years ago now, that he had used performance-enhancing drugs. And that's that's one of the big reasons why he was my all-time favorite player until that day. I just can't, can't he can't be my all-time favorite player if he cheated. I'm sorry. And Mike Trout came along, and so that makes it easier to move away from King Griffey Jr. But as much as I was an Angels fan growing up and I hated the Mariners, I loved King Griffey Jr., but broke my heart five years ago when he admitted to that. Anyway, uh, eight of the 13 that hit 40 home runs in 1998 are admitted or known steroid users. The documentary did a terrible job of covering that aspect of this. In fact, it wasn't till like the last half hour of the show. It's a two-hour thing. Uh, it wasn't till the last little bit of the, of the two hours that they actually brought it up and addressed it. Earlier in the show, they mentioned, yeah, there was a bottle of andro androatestacine, or however you say it, that was seen in Mark McGuire's locker. Well, that wasn't illegal at the time. It wasn't illegal uh, to the public. It wasn't illegal to Major League Baseball players. It was something you could go down to GNC or, or Walgreens or whatever, grab yourself a bottle, and, and take it. It was like creatine. It, it, now, it, it had dire side effects, and it turns out it was exactly steroids. But at the time, it was not outlawed by baseball. And this documentary seemed to just kind of gloss over that early on. And then in the final few minutes of the documentary, they asked Sammy Sosa directly and Mark McGuire directly about steroids. Mark McGuire has owned it and admitted to it and apologized to it in the past, so that's not news. Sammy Sosa has never owned up to it and still didn't in the documentary, except he kind of did without admitting to it. He said, why do people need me? to admit to, to using steroids. So, you know, is it a hollow year, 1998? Yeah, it's a very hollow year. But is it still 
really the, the best summer of baseball? Yep, it is. It's still the best summer of baseball. Now, baseball had a real problem on its hands after the strike. Then all of a sudden, this home run chase happens, and the TV ratings explode, and they kind of look around and go, okay, just nobody, nobody bring up the steroids thing. Let's just ride this as long as we can. Three years later, after this home run chase, three years later, Barry Bonds hits 73 home runs and, and grabs the record back away from Mark McGuire. And, of course, Barry Bonds, at least for three years, is proven to have used steroids. And every record that he has, you have to look at it and go, hmm, I don't know how much of that's real. Now, another thing that this documentary did really well was it gave Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa a chance to explain they still had to be good at hitting a baseball. They still had to have the skills. Taking steroids doesn't just make you wake up one day and suddenly you can hit home runs. It can add to, to muscle twitch and, and help you do things like get your hands through the zone faster on your swing and turn on a pitch faster and greater. Obviously, it can help muscles grow. But what steroids really do, and, and why they're a real uh, cheating uh, factor, is it helps you recover from fatigue. If your muscle can bounce back from use twice or three times as fast as the other guy behind you or around or next to you or, or up to bat next, of course you're going to have twice or three times the success he's going to have. And another thing that this documentary did well is while it did not point this out directly, it showed how exhausting that home run chase was both emotionally and physically on these guys, and yet they were still able to go out there and hit dinger after dinger, you know, 500, 400, 358 feet. That's because they were on steroids. They didn't need a day off. They were able to get back and bounce back the next day because they were on steroids. Now, ultimately, like I was uh, saying, it is still the greatest summer of baseball, excuse me, but it's kind of like, yeah, you put on a good show, but what of it was real and what of it was, you know, because of the steroids? The bottom line is this. Baseball is now until, well, until right now, but leading it last year, baseball had more guys hit 40 or more home runs than they had in the, in the previous three seasons. And now it's come out that the ball was being messed with by the league. They were changing things with the ball or people were calling it juiced. They were juicing the ball. So that there would be more home runs hit. And they there was a ton of home runs hit last season in Major League Baseball. And the TV ratings came back a little bit. The bottom line here is that baseball in the last, oh, we'll say 30 years, has been at the top when things have been altered, when reality has been touched up a bit, when it's been airbrushed, or when it's been cheated like with steroids, or if they're manipulating the ball, whatever word you want to use, it's being massaged in a way so that people return to watch it. But as we sit here today on June 15th, 2020, it may not ultimately matter because baseball right now looks like a bunch of little children fighting over the last popsicle in a popsicle factory. and or Not the last popsicle, just fighting over a popsicle in a popsicle factory. Because you look around and they're billionaires and millionaires fighting over these percentages and fighting over these dollars when 40 plus million people right now are out of work in this country alone. Baseball is going to lose a lot of people. I've, I dare say baseball will lose more people than they lost after the strike if they do not get this stuff together. 
There are people struggling to get a meal put on the table. There are people fighting racial and social injustices out there. There, there is literally a, a, a medical pandemic happening in our midst. And these rich, spoiled, elitist millionaire players and billionaire owners cannot shut up enough to understand they play a game for a living and they still will make millions and billions of dollars. It'll be a down year. It'll be a hard economic loss. But you'll get by. Instead of 18 billion, maybe you'll only make 6 billion. Boo hoo. Get out there and play or get out of it. Get it, get out of here. Either get it together or get out because I'm sick of it. And one thing that stood out to me after watching this long gone summer 30 for 30 was baseball is about it, baseball is, is honestly it's a it's a construction crew that has every affordable top of the line tool to do their job and yet they return to harbor freight cuz it's what they're used to all due respect to harbor freight but they make an inferior product to craftsmen but you pay less at harbor freight than you do at Sears or wherever you get craftsmen from it's a really crappy analogy but it just hit my it just entered my mind and baseball it, it has every opportunity to be the king and decides no we're going to cry over a few pennies instead of being the king and they're going to lose a lot of people maybe myself included Speaking of millionaire athletes bothering me, uh, I, I don't want to spend too much time on this because I do want to get to our very special Military Monday moment here as we celebrate a, a big-time anniversary in one of our branches. But Kyrie Irving has me uh, perturbed. You've seen the reports all weekend. Kyrie Irving is more or less leading this swell of M or NBA stars and borderline stars who are voicing concern and hesitancy about playing in Orlando uh, next month. And they, they're listing various reasons from the pandemic to injury to will they be distracting or detracting from the Black Lives Matter movement and social and racial injustices that are trying to be fixed permanently in this country if they play basketball. And that's all fine and good. Whether a player wants to sit out from Orlando because he's worried about the pandemic or he's worried about an injury, Donovan Mitchell, according to some, some reports, although he's somewhat refuted it, according to some reports out there, Donovan Mitchell is concerned about sitting for three months and then going and playing competitively in a playoff situation and having a career-altering injury and was wanting some insurance uh, 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 from, uh, assurities, I should say, from the NBA. In that regard, so whether it's the pandemic, injury, or if they feel they're detracting from this very important time in history, I don't begrudge any NBA player for sitting out and not playing. What I do begrudge is them taking the whole thing down with them. And I'll just peel back the curtain just a little bit here, and then we'll move on to Military Monday. When COVID-19 first hit around these parts... Tony Parks and I had a show from 10 to noon. We had really good ratings. We had a really good following. We had found a really good groove together. We were setting some, some, some solid numbers in a time slot that was not doing very well uh, historically in this market. Then COVID-19 hits, budget moves have to be made, and the show is lost. But prior to the show being lost, 
we had to decide if we were going to be able to go on remote or not for a broadcast. And if this was a few days after uh, March 11th situation in Oklahoma City happened. And I was uncomfortable with not only just myself, but some things at home. Our daughter uh, spent a lot of time in the NICU when she was first born with respiratory problems. Not a real good recipe to have COVID around. I was not comfortable going on remote. Tony was comfortable to go and do that remote broadcast. And you know what we did? We didn't say it's all or nothing. I came to the studio. Tony went to the remote broadcast. We fulfilled our contract. We provided a good product. And we had a great show that day. Tony was gracious enough to accept my concerns and say, don't worry about it. I'll go. I'm fine. I'm comfortable. You head to the studio. Currently, still at the Zone Sports Network, Gordon Monson is at home doing his show, the big show, every day from his home while Jake Scott is here in person in the Zone Sports Network Carrier Studios. That's because one is of a certain age group and a certain level of concern, and the other differs from that. And they work together. They cooperate. So Kyrie or anyone else behind him, I have no problem with you wanting to not go, and I don't care what the reason is. Personally, I would refute the idea of playing as a detractor from the movement, I think that it gives you a, a greater megaphone to help that movement go forward. But regardless of your feelings on that or your feelings about the pandemic or your feelings about injury, sit out if you want to sit out. Fine. I don't begrudge you that whatsoever. Go ahead and sit it out. I understand. But don't bring the whole ship down with you. If you want to sit out, sit out. But don't make it about, well, if you go play, there's a line in the sand between those who are sitting out and those that are choosing to play because that's going to ruin the sport. And it's going to cost good, hardworking people their jobs that don't make millions like you and your fellow NBA players make. So again, just to reiterate, if, if someone is not comfortable with something, let them have allowance enough, enough of a leash, so to speak, to do what they would like and feel comfortable around that thing. But that does not mean you have to let them bring the whole production down with you. With them, I should say. Kyrie, don't play. That's fine. Donovan, if you don't want to play, that's fine. But if there's guys that are willing to play, and this can happen still, let it go. Let it play. Let it happen. Let's get this thing. If the NBA plays, even if it's a skeleton crew playing these games... They're still playing games, and we're going in the right direction towards full return, hopefully sometime next year. If they don't play, it sets everything back even more. So uh, th and that's just all I have to say about that. If you've got a problem with something, go ahead and voice your problem. Others around you, give them allowance to voice that problem and respect their uncomfortable ability or discomfort, rather, and, and let them take a moment out, take a time out, but that does not mean if you're discom if you're uncomfortable that you get to call all the shots, and, and and that's what's bothering me about Kyrie Irving right now. All 
right, it is a military Monday, and yesterday was the 245th birthday of the United States Army, one of the great military branches in our country. And it, I just wanted to, there was a great 20-plus minute celebration on U.S. Army's Facebook stream yesterday. I just wanted to play a snippet from that uh, celebration. Talks about uh, a man named Pee Wee who uh, returned to Normandy uh, uh, when he was 90 years old and jumped out of an airplane so that he could uh, be part of the celebration of D-Day that he partook, that he participated 75 years ago now, was it? 76 years ago? Uh, yeah, 76 years ago now, 1944. Uh, and uh, I, I just wanted to play this snippet and give a tip of the cap and a heartfelt thank you and warmest well wishes for a 245th birthday to the U.S. Army. Army strong. And now, here's a message from your 40th Chief of Staff of the Army, General James C. McConville. Today is a great day to be in the United States Army. For 245 years, America's Army has protected the nation. I'm standing in the nearly complete National Museum of the United States Army. This wall behind me lists every campaign in our Army's history. What better place to recognize our past achievements and to celebrate our incredible history and heritage? Every soldier is part of America's legacy. American soldiers of all components have stood ready to answer the nation's call. Even now, during the COVID-19 pandemic, when the nation needed us, we were there. I'm wearing the new Army Green Service uniform. And every time I wear this uniform, I think about the greatest generation and their historic accomplishments. They fought all across Europe and the Pacific and endured unimaginable conditions in combat. Their brave actions played a vital role in shaping our country. I was fortunate enough to be in Normandy for the 70th anniversary and meet one of the heroes of that generation, Jim Pee Wee Martin. It was there at the 70th anniversary of D-Day that Jim jumped back into Normandy at 93 years of age. Jim joined the famous 506th Infantry Regiment, the Band of Brothers, in July of 1942. He was soon given the name Pee Wee because he was the lightest man in the regiment which he accepted as a badge of respect. He was just 23 years old when he jumped into Normandy with the 101st Airborne Division on D-Day. He fought all across Europe, stood strong at Bastogne. He was in Bavaria on May 8, 1945. So this year, he not only recognized the 75th VE Day, but he also celebrated his 99th birthday. I share Jim's story as an example of the great legacy of service and sacrifice of the American soldier, once secured by the sweat and blood of American soldiers for 245 years. He is an amazing living legacy for our greatest generation of today. It's a legacy our soldiers forged in World War II. It's a legacy carried on by our soldiers in Korea and Vietnam, in just cause, in desert storm, and more recently in Afghanistan, Iraq, and Syria. It's a legacy we've been entrusted to carry on to future generations. Thank you to our soldiers, families, and civilians, past and present, for keeping the Army legacy. Happy birthday, Army. We remain Army strong. That's going to do it for an EP podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I'm here each and every day, 1280thezone.com, uh, the Zone Sports Network app, Spotify, iTunes, iHeart, tune in, wherever you find your apps. That's where we are. Just search Austin Horton EP podcast, and we'll be right there. We'll come back on a top 10 Tuesday tomorrow. I'm Austin Horton. Until then, be good to each other.
time now for the laugh of the day. <laughs> How do you feel about whales? I hate them. They're the worst. No, like, I don't know. I've never had an opinion oh. on whales. I'm just... You don't I, have an opinion on them? No, I mean, they're, they're, they're whales. Like, they're there. I don't know what to say about them. Like, what do you want? Like, I love whales. Okay, great. Good for you. Lloyd, you got a take on whales? Do you... <laughs> I like turtles. <laughs> Gotta have something. You know, I would have... If I had a... Uh, if I had a massive water park, I'd have one as a pet. I don't know. Like, I don't know what you want me to say here. You know they're smart. <laughs> sure. I mean, they're, they're, they're pretty smart creatures. Wait, now Scotty's going to say, well, why do they keep getting caught in nets? Yeah, or get, or get beached. <laughs> beached. How smart are they really? Yeah. Like, oh, I'm going to get, that, that shoreline's not that close. Oh, no. Stuck again. This is not popular opinion right now. I can just see a mama whale talking to a baby whale about a reverse riptide. Don't get caught in that, honey. <laughs> And the world's like, what? Why does the mama sound like Bob? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm embarrassed to say this. <laughs> Those riptides can get really rough. Um, a humpback whale off the New Jersey coast breached. Oh, it's smart, huh? So as it breached, it came up out of the water and landed on a front end of a boat, and it flipped the boat and sent the dudes just flying, and it and it sank the boat. The guys okay? Yeah, the guys are okay. Says that it uh, threw the men overboard, caused the vessel to become beached. Witnesses said the well was breaching off Seaside Park when it collided with the boat. Think the think the well did it on purpose. I always wonder. Have you ever seen? Have you seen a whale breach? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's I, incredible. I have not seen it live. It's a, that's one of my things of why I want to go to Alaska and well, check it, it out. It's absolutely breathtaking. Absolutely breathtaking. Have you seen? You've seen? Not live. No. It's it's incredible. But, go ahead. Here's oh. a here's a free Willie joke. Go ahead. So. <laughs> yeah, I've seen Free Willie. <laughs> that's not a whale. Actually, I've never seen Free Willie. Yeah, you have. No, that's a killer whale. Uh, yes, that is a killer well. Yes. We should have taken or, out or better known as an orca. Yes, correct. Look at the big brain on Brad.